a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share the audio recording from a recent Women at Darden Office Hours conversation featuring Professor of Practice Carolyn Miles and Senior Assistant Dean of Admissions Donna Clark. Carolyn, as you may be aware, is a Darden alum, and she's also the former Chief Executive Officer of Save the Children, an organization that gives children in the United States and around the world a healthy start, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. This conversation covers a lot of ground. As you may be aware, Donna and Carolyn were both instrumental in the recent Women's Summit that took place at Sands Family Grounds, Darden's Grounds in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's the audio recording from a recent Women at Darden Office Hours conversation featuring Carolyn Miles and Donna Clark. Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Donna, and great to be with all of you from everywhere, it looks like. Yes, thanks for joining us. Um, And I'm going to jump in with your recent transition back to Darden. You recently did return to Darden as a professor of practice. And as I said a minute ago, senior advisor to the dean, executive fellow, have already led a really successful women's summit. Could you tell everybody sort of what prompted you to make the transition back to Darden? Sure. Well, um, thanks again, Donna, and and great to be with you all. You know, Darden uh, was a really important part of my preparation for my work at Save the Children and in many, many other iterations. And when I had the opportunity to come back, I, I thought a lot about purpose. And for me, purpose has always been really important in the decisions that I've made along the way in terms of my career. And I knew that I could do something and add some value by coming back to Darden. And what I really, there were two kind of major things that I wanted to do. One is I wanted to teach and particularly maybe in courses that wouldn't be maybe the classic MBA course uh, course load. So I'm teaching kind of three electives for second years. I'm teaching a course called Managing Sustainability from the Inside Out, which is about sustainability, just as it sounds, but also about it from the corporate perspective. And I know we'll talk a little bit later about some of the other things that I'm doing um, that led me to that. But Managing Sustainability, the second course is about CEO leadership. And so having had the opportunity to be a CEO um, after leaving Darden, I, I wanted to help students understand a little bit what that's about. And I teach that with the dean, which is uh, really fun. And then my third course, actually, that I'm introducing actually this spring is humanitarianism. And it's about the role of business in humanitarian action. So think about kind of responding to natural disasters or war and crisis. And I've really seen that change over the last 20, 25 years that I've been working in that space. So I wanted to um, teach a course there as well. And then the other thing I really wanted to do was uh, drive more diversity at Darden. So that's mm. all the work. And we'll talk, I know, about the work with uh, the Women at Darden Initiative. Yes. But I think super important um, to bring diverse people to Darden to experience the 
unbelievable education that you can get there and then go off and change the world. So, yeah. And we're so grateful for your leadership and passion for that topic um, for sure. And I'm going to definitely ask Carolyn about the women at Darden Initiative, but just staying on the theme of wanting a job, a, a position, a career with purpose. I've heard you tell a really interesting story and I believe it took place in the Philippines. Yeah. Um a moment that you experienced that led you to reach out to save the children. I was wondering if you could share that story with the participants. Sure. Um, so it was during my time in Asia and I, I ended up um, getting an opportunity through American Express, which was my first job after Darden to, uh, to go to Hong Kong and to work there in Hong Kong, which was a fabulous experience. And while I was there, we did, I had two of my three kids while I was uh, living overseas in Asia. And we were traveling in the Philippines um, on a vacation, going to a very nice hotel in Manila from the airport. And I know there's somebody from the Philippines on the on the Zoom today, but when you drive from the airport to Manila, there all along the drive are these um, very uh, poor communities, um, basically people who are living in shacks along the sides of the highway. And at the stoplights, typically somebody comes up um, and knocks on the window and asks for money at the, at the stoplights there. And I had the experience that a woman came up to the window. I was holding my son, who was probably my second son, maybe a couple months old. And a woman came up to the window and she was also holding a baby in her arms. And, um, you know, we looked at each other through the window. And I have to say my, my thought was, you know, I'm sitting here in this air conditioned car going to this beautiful vacation uh, with my son and he has every opportunity in the world and yeah. the baby that this woman was holding had virtually no opportunities. I could see where they lived. I could see the conditions in which they lived. And I thought that is a fundamental kind of something that is really just unfair. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, it's an injustice that really then really stuck with me. And um, so I started doing some work, some volunteer work while I was in Hong Kong. And I decided that when we went back to the U.S., which was probably maybe, gosh, eight months, eight or nine months later, that I really wanted to do something to see if there was a way I could impact that injustice. And I didn't quite know what that was, but it turned out to be uh, going to save the children and taking my skills to save the children. And I thought I'd do that for a few years. And 22 years later, I retired from SAVE as the Yeah, CEO. it's a really powerful story and really speaks to your empathy um, in that moment and how powerful that moment was um, for, for you. Can you um, tell the audience a little bit about your career at Save the Children? What were the highlights? I know you were there for over two decades and served as CEO for a little bit over a decade, um, if I recall correctly, but can you um, talk a little bit about your trajectory at CE um, SC and then as CEO at Save the Children? Sure. Um, you know, I think one of the things that gave me the confidence, frankly, to move to a to to move from business where I'd been 
working for about 10 years into the nonprofit sector, you know, was the sense that there was a lot of value that I could bring. There was a lot of things I knew how to do that I could transfer um, to save the children. And that was turned out to be very true. I was initially doing really a marketing job where I was bringing in entry-level supporters to save the children. Um, and there, there was a lot of things I learned at American Express and even at Pacific Coffee Company, which was my kind of second gig in, in Hong Kong with a Darden classmate, by the way, um, but very transferable. And so I found that and I it was good that I had transferable skills because the nonprofit world was very different for me and trying to figure out kind of how it worked um, took took me a little while. But I quickly was able to add value at Save the Children. And I the, the mission, you know, I just fell in love with the mission of the organization. And it's basically to do three things. It's to make sure that every child actually survives uh, to the age of five and beyond. And unfortunately, there are millions and millions of kids who are dying before the age of five around the world to make sure that every child has a basic primary education and they get a basic education and thirdly to be protected from harm whether that's in war or natural disasters and so there's a big emergency response piece that save the children does too so i fell in love with the mission um i moved up through the organization got more and more responsibilities and then after about six years i became the coo of the organization and that was great uh, training because I really got to see every part of the organization at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And I traveled very extensively. I visited between my decades at my two decades at save. I, I traveled to about 92 countries. So wow. I really got to see everything that we did. Um, and after about six years as COO, I became CEO and that's where I, um, you know, again, got to lead the organization in terms of the mission that I just talked about right. and really found that um, I was able to really be inspired by the organization and similarly inspire others to um, to, to really, you know, be there and, and do all the really great work that we could do. Yeah. And, had many stories to tell about the many, many travels that I took and the many things that I did, um, but really, you know, continually kind of went back to some of the things I learned at Darden, uh, actually, and kind of running a big global nonprofit is very much like running a big global company. So there are a lot of business skills that are super helpful, but also all those, uh, what we used to call organizational behavior, we now call leadership um, organization and, and leadership behavior. Um, but that work really came back to me, I think, and, and was super useful during my many years at SAVE. Yeah, I'm gonna and I'm gonna ask you in a moment how Darden prepared you um, for that position. But before I do, I know you were highly successful um, in your tenure as CEO of Save the Children. What are some things that you're particularly proud of? Um, if you had to just mm -hmm. mention a couple of things, for example, I know you were a highly successful fundraiser, for example. I don't know if that would em emerge on your list, but what are some things that you're particularly proud of? Of, of all the things you did there. Yeah, I, I think the growth of the organization was really important. And it, it's it's important, and I'll, I'll tell you some things about how the organization grew, but it's important not 
for growth's sake or, you know, the money or the revenue or any of those things. It's important because the way that Save the Children made a difference was by impacting children and families. And the bigger the organization was, the more impact they could have. And so by the time I left the organization, we were reaching about 130 million children every year. And so the ability to do that was what was really important. And that did mean um, two things. It meant really growing the organization in terms of people. So I'm really proud of our ability to attract really unbelievable people. And if you went out to a Save the Children office and you met the people that worked in Nepal, for example, you know, these were people and most all of the staff were from that country. They weren't like Americans or Brits or something, you know, that we sent out. They were people from that country. Many of them were very accomplished. They were doctors. They were lawyers. They were engineers. They were, um, you know, PhDs. But they chose to come to work at Save the Children for, frankly, they could have earned a lot more money doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came to work at Save the Children because they believed that that organization could actually change the trajectory for their country. And so mm. I'm really proud of the ability of the organization to attract these fantastic people because that's how we made change. We didn't sure. produce you know, a widget or anything else, we produce change for children. Yeah, and made an impact. The only way we could do it was with great people. So that was one thing. And then we did grow the resources for the organization. When I came, it was about a $140 million organization. And when I left, it was a almost $900 million organization. It will be a billion-dollar organization this year. Wow. Um, and again, that's it's not about the money. It's about what the money can make happen. Sure. It, the resources that can be used to, to really make fantastic change. Yeah. So and I'm obviously when proud you're out of that growth. Oh, absolutely. As you should be. You mentioned a little earlier how well prepared you felt or that Darden, you really relied um, in part on some of the preparation that you had at Darden. Can you talk a little bit more about that or maybe give a couple of examples of things that you took away from the Darden experience that helped prepare you for that enormous role? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was not a business major in college. I was an animal behavior major. So um, I did not have a lot of business background. My first job was in sales. So um, and that was actually a good fit with animal behavior. But uh, I didn't have a lot of business background. So one of the things that Darden really helped me with was kind of filling out that business, that set of business skills, because When you go to Darden, your first year, everybody takes something called the core, which is, you know, whether you're a finance person or a marketing person or a salesperson or whatever you are and whatever you were before Darden, you all come in and you take the same things. And for me, that was incredibly valuable to get those accounting skills, the finance skills, more of the marketing skills that I didn't have um, and really get that that background and also to hear from so many of my classmates. And that's one of the things that makes Darden stand out is the case method is all about getting diverse voices in the room to get involved and talk about the the business situation that you're talking about. And so 
that was a great way for me to learn those those fundamental skills. And then we had some unbelievable professors that really talked about what I would call more the soft skills. So the organizational behavior kinds of work that, you know, you were going to come across in terms of leading teams and in terms of inspiring others and in terms of understanding motivations of people that you worked with. Those were really great skill sets that I've used over and over and over again. Um, You know, I came to appreciate many of the fantastic faculty at Darden much later. Um, And actually now I am teaching a course on sustainability that is based on Ed Freeman's stakeholder theory. So when I went to Darden, we all talked about maximizing shareholder wealth. That's what it was all about. And Ed Freeman was there when I was there talking about stakeholder theory. And of course, today, that is what we all really believe when we think about things like sustainability. And I teach his theory in my class. So wow. It Talk about a full so. circle experience. That's <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Crazy. Thanks. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. So thanks. Really Thank those you. fundamental skills. So important. Yeah. Amazing. Shifting gears just a little bit, you um, play a pivotal role in the Women at Darden 2.0 initiative, including the inaugural Women's Summit that was hosted um, very successfully last weekend in Roslyn. And we'll get to that in in a moment. But could you share with the audience a little bit more about the Women at Darden 2.0 initiative and and the impact that you're hoping that that work will make? I know you mentioned very early in the webinar your passion to improve um, diversity at, at Darden. Sure. So, uh, you know, I think through my experience at Save the Children and years of of working, one of the things that I have become very convinced of is that women, having women in positions where they can make decisions and make a difference is really important. I certainly saw that in spades at Save the Children. We worked with mostly women on our programs because if you want to have an impact on children, you work with women and mothers. And if you want to change a country's trajectory, you work with women. So I really came into, came back to Darden with that belief. And um, as I look, you know, at the top of business in the U.S., we still do not have enough women leaders. I think the the CEO percentage in the Fortune 500 is something like 8%, and women are 50% of the population. So we right. Long way to go. So I come at it from a real kind of, we need to drive this change. And I also believe having now being back and teaching at Darden, that having those diverse voices in the room, not just women, but lots of diversity in the classroom makes for a much richer discussion, a much better learning outcome, a much, you know, better kind of uh, in-classroom experience. So Darden, Women at Darden is about 15 different things that we are trying to do. And it starts with just attracting more women to business education in the first place. So if we could get more women interested in business education, right, we'd have a better chance to get parity at places like Darden. Um, So that starts with, with kind of being out there talking about business education. Then, of course, we'd like them to come to Darden because we think and I believe we have the best experience once you get to Darden. So there's a lot of efforts at Darden 
in the classroom experience. We need more cases about women in business. We need um, faculty to kind of understand how you draw all those diverse voices out in the classroom. Um, we need to prepare women for all the different careers that they and directions that they want to go in. I think you know, I, I'm safe to say that the women at Darden go into a much more diverse set of careers than our men graduates do. So a lot go into nonprofit, a lot go into the government sector, a lot go into business, obviously, but preparing women for those those that variety of roles that they they seek and preparing them to be, you know, leaders uh, at the C-suite level in whatever organization they go forward into, I think yeah. is, is really important. So it's about 15 different things, all sorts of different bits and pieces that we work on um, for Darden. Great. And then one of those 15 things was introducing a women's summit um, to the Darden experience. And thank you for your leadership in making last week's Women's Leadership Summit so successful. Um, it was an amazing event. Everyone that was housed in Roslyn, Virginia, bringing together thought leaders, our alumni, students, prospective students. Can you share with the audience some of the highlights of the Women's um, Summit? Sure. Um, so I think our biggest highlight, we got it, we, we kicked it off. The first of anything is always is a challenge. So um, we were able to have a really fantastic event. And we had, you know, as you said, we had prospective students, current students, alums, and just some women leaders in DC. And so we wanted to, first of all, get the word out about what is Darden for those that didn't know what it was about and give them a sense of kind of what Darden was all about, but mostly what we wanted our participants to, um, to be able to do is to come to a day that was really about allowing them all to think, we called it the great reinvention. So allowing them to think about what does that mean for me right now? You know, the last couple of years has been super difficult for all of us, I think, but particularly for women in the workforce. I mm -hmm. think that's been especially hard for women in the workforce. And we all know how much people juggle and we all know how that load, you know, doesn't fall proportionally all the time on everybody. And so it really was a moment to kind of sit back and say, what do I want? And, and to really learn. So we had skills building sessions on navigating critical conversations on ethical dilemmas on creating belonging we had sessions that were industry specific so women in venture capital and uh, private equity women in tech women in media um, we just had a great group of of people that came to speak and these are women that are they were almost all women we had a few good men but mostly women that came to talk about their experiences. And there, it was moderated by the faculty at Darden who are fantastic and were able to really bring out some of these rich lessons. We had, I actually, I don't know that I could, we could have come up with a better keynote speaker. Um, Connie Hallquist was our keynote. She's currently the C, the president of uh, Barnet Hill, which is a big online and um, online uh, retailer that does home goods and uh, clothing, predominantly women. Their customer base is predominantly women, but her career was a series of reinventions, and she yes. took us through what that was like and how she made those critical decisions and why and 
Um, you know, I think one of the messages I took away and which I actually really believe is that none of us can actually uh, totally think about where at each step of our career, we can't totally design our career. We have to be having those things that guide us. And then we have to make decisions kind of each step of the way. And I think she was a great example of that. Mm -hmm. She's had a fantastic career, but she said, and I believe her because I would say the same thing. If I had sat down 20 years ago or 25 years ago to tell you, these are all the things that I would do in life. There's no way I would have ever imagined what I actually did do. And so right. I think that was also a good lesson, especially I know that, you know, many of the, the women and men, there's probably a few men on the call too. Many of you are at a stage where you're thinking about what next. And so uh, I guess one piece of advice I would give you is don't try to plan it all out for the next 20 years because it'll never turn out that way, but do have some kind of North stars. And I think she really, really yeah. demonstrated that in a big way. Yeah, that's that's such good advice. And I think uh, the speaker on Saturday and Angelica yeah. Alam had a similar message that she also has had a successful career. And in every case, she was poached by a client or somebody that she interacted with it. She can't the last time she applied for a job was when she graduated from Darden. Um, so it's just very illustrative of the opportunities that are going to present themselves for two women MBAs are such a high demand. So great advice. Shifting gears a little bit, I know you teach a managing sustainability from the inside out course, a CEO leadership course with the dean that you mentioned earlier, as well as last year, you led a Darden Worldwide class to Costa Rica. This year, you're leading one to Vietnam. Darden has a longstanding reputation for offering the best educational experience. The school has been ranked um, number one by The Economist for 10 consecutive years for offering the best educational experience and for having the best teaching faculty. As prospective students are considering Darden, can you share some examples based on either your own experience um, as an alumna and now as a faculty member about how this manifests itself in the classroom? Sure. I think the um, I think there's a couple of different elements of why the year after year Darden does end up at the top on that on that ranking. And the first reason I would tell you is that. The faculty here really look at this as more than just, I'm going to go in the classroom and teach. They do an amazing job about that and all of that. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But they look at their job as I am here to make sure that students are as successful as they can possibly be. Part of that's what we do in the classroom. But a big part of that is what happens outside the classroom. And if you look at the engagement of faculty at Darden in all sorts of ways, whether that's working with students on an independent study, whether it's their a faculty advisor for a student club, and we have so many clubs here at Darden, whether it's going to events where 
students, staff, and faculty are all invited to participate. Faculty, having a group of, fac- of students over to their house for a barbecue, right? It's this. These are the things that faculty do here at Darden. And that, I think, is a big, big part of what makes it such a special place. And we may get into this definition and idea of community, but that is really special. Faculty don't just say, I go to a class, I teach for an hour and a half, and then I leave, right? Or I do that twice a day, and then I'm, 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 I'm out of here. They're here. They talk to students all the time. They engage with students all the time. They advise students. They're interested in their lives. So, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is the way that Darden teaches is really different. It is really different. I experienced it as, as a student, and now I'm experiencing it as faculty. I tell you, it's a lot harder than it looks when you become a faculty member. So it looks easy-ish when you're a student, but it is not. Um, it is really this idea of case method, uh, really, and all, every class at Darden has case method, whether you're talking about accounting or whether you're talking about, you know, leadership uh, challenges and skills. It's it's all done with with cases, with and most of them are real life cases that are that are documented, um, you know, at a business that demonstrates a particular thing, and it is about the discussion that happens in the classroom and. I can tell you as a professor, you kind of start out by saying, gee, I hope we get to these five points. Usually you can kind of guide the discussion to get to those, some of those at least, but you also end up with a bunch of other points that are really illuminating that you never thought were in this case and that students kind of bring up as you as you're going through this the discussion. And that is a really amazing way to learn. It is a way that I think for many, many people is a much richer way to learn. It does mean you have to put yourself out there. It does mean that you need to be part of the discussion. And you and if you don't kind of put yourself out there, your 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 peers and the professor will draw you into the conversation. And that's really because you really want to hear all the voices in the room and you really want them all to be to be having that discussion with you. So um that those two things it's much more than a job for faculty and the faculty are so good at this case method. I think those are the things that make it just an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. Great. And I see so many good questions coming in from the audience. I'm going to ask Carolyn one more and then the, the, and I'm going to transition to all the great questions that are, are coming in. Um, Darden, you mentioned is so well known for having such a strong community can you tell the audience yeah. maybe one or two of your favorite elements of the Darden community? Sure. Oh, there's so, so many. Um, and I think that's something that's really grown since I was here at Darden a long, long time ago to now. Um, I mentioned the student clubs. There is a club for everything. I, uh, honestly, there's, you know, the beer making club, the net impact club, the you know, the venture capital club. They're, they're just so very, the, you know, dancing club there right there aviation so, so, yeah, right sure 
so, so many. So, but I think one of the great traditions, so on Thursday afternoons, we have something called the cold call, which the clubs will sponsor. So it's basically a happy hour um, at the end of the day, Thursday. So there are no classes Friday. So it's kind of kicking off the, the non-class portion of the week. Um, and so it's this time of year, it is so beautiful here at Darden. So we usually do it outside and um, the the clubs organize it. They set up beverages and food that, you know, may, might have something to do with that club, dancing, whatever. So it's just an opportunity for, you know, staff, faculty, students to just gather and kind of just have a nice time at the end of the academic week. So that's one. Um, another one would be um, there's a club that is really all about community service here at Darden. So I particularly love that one. So they go out and they work with various nonprofits in the Darden, in the Charlottesville community. So this is to try to get out to the bigger community of not just UVA, but what does Charlottesville look like and what are some of the challenges that, um, you know, people here in Charlottesville like just like everywhere else in the world, you know, there are people really struggling with very basic needs here in Charlottesville. So Darden has a club that goes out and lends really their business expertise to these nonprofits for the most part, nonprofits. Um, and I love that club and I love kind of what they do. And they, they have an auction every year. Um, that particular club has an auction every year and they raise money and then they use that to really do work for various nonprofits. So yeah. those are just two of the, I mean, there's a gazillion. Yeah. I know there's so many to choose from, but thanks for sharing those. Great. Well, I'm going to transition some for, to some questions from the audience. And there's a great one from Harsha who says, hi, Carolyn. So nice to meet you and hear about your amazing accomplishments. Her question is, how did the Darden Network help you while you were at Save the Children? So great question. I'm going to give you the Darden Network didn't just help me at Save the Children. The Darden Network helped me, I would say, in every step of my journey. So starting with, you know, helping me land a job at American Express, which led me to Asia. My second, uh, the second thing I did in Asia was I worked with a Darden classmate who had started up a coffee business. And he said, why don't you come and do this with me and we'll see kind of how it goes. So I was in a startup and I did that for about two and a half years. And we went from one store when we started to about 27 coffee shops in Hong Kong. So that was an amazing experience. Um, when I went, when I came back to the U.S. and I went to Save the Children, it was through a Darden connection that I met somebody at Save the Children. And then during the time that I was uh, at Save the Children, during that 22 years, I had many interactions with Darden. Um, I had students who come and worked, who came and worked with uh, Save the Children on projects. I had people who came and worked for Save the Children full time. I was sitting on the board at Darden for many of the years that I was working at Save the Children had a lot of valuable connections from that board experience with alums, with lots and lots of people. So Darden has been this kind of constant presence, um, I would say, through my life. Yeah, that's that's and great. That is amazing. So, and, and whenever I went out to a Darden uh, 
you know, alum, usually I didn't know them, but I would ask them for help. And, you know, did they know this person or did they know that person? Or, you know, would they be interested in coming and working on this uh, with Save the Children? I always got a response. Like Darden alums are great in terms of, and the Women in Leadership Summit. I mean, we had something like 25 alums that came and spoke at that summit and they didn't know me. This was the first time we'd done this. They were like, Absolutely. I totally want to do this. So, ah, yeah, that, that's a great example. And one of the themes that I loved in the sessions that I attended was just the consistency of the theme of the importance of women supporting other women. Yes. Um, I, I, I thought that was a resounding theme and reminder to put energy and effort into that. Um, there's a great question from one of our male participants, Alejandro, who says, hi, Carolyn, thank you for hosting this session. I'm kind of new to this type of session, but I'm interested in being an ally and to help promote more equality in the workplace. What suggestions do you have for men so we can have a bigger favor, a bigger impact in favor of women in business? So first of all, thank you so much for asking that question, Alejandro. And we actually do have at Darden, we have an allies group and they are supporting not just women, but diversity in a larger way as well um, at Darden. But that ally group, I think, has been particularly helpful in really helping us with the classroom dynamics. So, you know, making sure that every voice in the classroom is heard and so there is an allies group at Darden. We did actually have some of the allies at the Women in Leadership Summit, for example. We had one who was helping us moderate one of the sessions. Um, but I think in order to change that number that I talked about the other the, at the beginning, that 8.4% of women CEOs, we absolutely do need men. And I also would say to you that this is not just about doing the right thing. It is the right thing, but it's also about doing the smart thing. Having worked in lots of different organizations, I can tell you that the decisions that come out of a room that is diverse in terms of the people around the table who are making that decision, those are better decisions. Those are going to be more successful for your business or your organization. So there is a lot in this for men. And so I would just say thank you to those that are interested in, in doing that. And there are absolutely spaces for you to participate in an allies group uh, at Darden. Yes. And double thanks, Alejandro, for the question. Shifting gears a little bit, there's a question about what specifically led you to select Darden as your um, school of choice. Yes. So I, I think for me, and uh, it was a while ago, but there were a couple of things that really were important as I made that decision. And I did apply to a bunch of places and got into a bunch. Um, but I chose Darden because of two things. One is I spoke about, need, well, three things, I would say. I, I knew I needed more of those business fundamentals. So that was important for me. That was important part of the choice. Secondly, I wanted case method because that was a way in which I thought I would really, really learn really well and that I was interested in, you know, in going that direction. And third, I, like many of you, you're probably thinking about, I, I know I kind of want to make a pivot. I want to make a pivot to something that's maybe maybe somewhat like what I'm doing, but different or completely different. 
And I do think Darden is a great place to do that because you really get exposed to an awful lot of different things. And I have talked to so many students who come in at the beginning of the first year, they say, you know, I really wanted to go to Darden because I wanted to, you know, pivot to from finance to venture capital, right? And then you talk to them at the end of the first year and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that anymore. Now I know what I really think I want to do. And they're going to test it out that summer is I want to go into marketing. Like that's what I, I have decided I really want to do. So I think one of the great things about Darden is it does give you the opportunity to look at a lot of different things. It gives you a summer to to, to do something maybe different from what you've done. Um, and you can make those pivots. Not everybody wants to make a pivot, but there are a lot of people that come to, to Darden and to business school that want to do that. Great. Thank you so much. Um, I have a question from Cabell, and this is a big question. So Carolyn, if you need to take a drink of water or something, okay. feel free, free to do Thank so. You. Okay, great. <laughs> and we've been firing away so many questions and there's more in the chat to come. What is the best advice that you have for women? Advice or pearls of women, but uh, pearls of wisdom uh, for women specifically as they navigate the business world? Yeah, so um, I think this is, and, and I think our, our keynote said this too. I am a believer having a family and you know children and a career and all those things. I am a believer that you can do all of those things, but I think you do have to think about kind of what's most important to me in this next step. So I talked about kind of navigating those next steps and I think it's important to take into consideration everything in your life as you navigate those next steps and really think about is now a time that I want to prioritize, you know, this, my, my career over my personal life, over my family. And it's okay. I think it's really important for women to hear this message. It is okay at times in your career to do that. And it is okay to say, now I'm not going to do that, right? I'm not going to prioritize my career right now, or I am going to prioritize my career now, right now. One thing that I think is super important is choose the right spouse. I would tell you and the right partner, right? Choose the right partner in life. And I was very lucky. I was married to a Darden alum. Um, I did choose the right person. He was super supportive of me all along the way. And we kind of took turns on different at different stages of our career. And I think having somebody that you can do that with is very important. That, that's that good advice. It's super, super important. And, you know, this is this, this is good advice for men, too, by the way. Also really important yes. to choose the right partner. But but I think um, for women who want to have a career, that is especially important. I yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It uh, looks like you have a former colleague from Save the Children Online <laughs> who says, hi, Carolyn, it's Nora O'Connell, formerly of Save the Children. It's yeah. so great to see you. She's interested in hearing about the value of an MBA for specifically for the nonprofit yeah. profit sector and if the Darden program is more u- uniquely situated um, to provide that. Well, hi, Nora. And you and I could talk more about Darden offline, too. Um, 
You know, I think one of the great things, and Nora's question is reminding me of this, one of the great things about Darden is that there are different ways to get your MBA. So this is not just about give up two years, you know, give up two years of your career, go do the residential experience in Charlottesville and do that, do it that way. There are now, and Roslyn is the place where we do these other formats. There is an executive MBA. Those are typically folks that have been out and working for a longer period of time. There's a part-time MBA program in Roslyn as well. And there's the full-time residential piece. So the good news is there are different ways to get your MBA at Darden. There's not just one. And I think for the nonprofit sector, it there is a lot of very applicable skills that you're going to use. And so we have more and more people at Darden, I would say, going into the non many more than when I was at Darden, going now into the nonprofit sector. And I think that skill base is really, really useful for nonprofit executives as well um, as as the the for-profit world. I just think there's a lot of, and certainly my experience at at Darden or at Save the Children taught me that there's a lot of things that were very applicable. Um, So I would definitely urge you not only to look at kind of what all of those different versions of the Darden MBA offer, but really thinking about where do you want to go next in terms of whether it's nonprofit or for-profit and how can getting an MBA really help me do that. Yeah, great. Laura, and I'm going to Laura, uh, jump. Talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> not a nice connection there. I'm going to toggle back to one of my questions since it's related to the topic that Nora brought up. You're introducing, as you mentioned earlier, a new class on humanitarianism theory um, and practice this spring. Can you tell the audience more about that class and what an exciting innovation in the curriculum? I I think students are going to be so excited about that option. Sure. Well, I think... um, One of the things that I saw during my time at Save the Children was how humanitarian action or the response to whether it's a natural disaster or a war and crisis, how much that has changed in terms of the the ecosystem of kind of how that was done. And when I first started at Save the Children, if we had business partners, they were mostly just they were going to give Save the Children some money. Right. So there was a big emergency they would, they would give Save the Children money and they would be like, go off and do whatever you're going to do. That really changed over the 20 years that I was there to really much more about what are the skills that business has that we really need when it comes to helping people that are impacted in a huge hurricane, right? We need logistical skills. We need skills that are really about, you know, communications and making sure that we're able, we need technology. We need to implement technology solutions so people who are, you know, trying to find a place where they can stay, a safe place to stay, or it's a refugee that's crossing borders. You want an app that's in their hand that they can actually look at to know, like, where's a safe place to go? Mm. How do I get there? What's the route? So there is just a big change, a big, big change in the engagement. So it's really bringing that humanitarian action piece to kind of current day. And what does it look like now with corporate, with social entrepreneurs, with innovation, with technology and with companies? And what is what should it look like in the future? That's kind of where we end the class. What's what's the new model? So um, we'll see. I think I find out in a couple of weeks how many students I have signed up. So, yeah, I awesome. have a feeling it's going to be very popular. 
There's another question um, that I think is really an interesting one. As you grew up and during your time at Dardner in your life, did you have um, any particularly pivotal female role models that you looked up to um, in, in, in your childhood or young adulthood? Definitely. So, you know, I think it starts with my mom. So, you know, my mom went back to work when, so there were four of us. My mom went back to work when my littlest brother so she was a stay-at-home mom for most of the time that I was a kid, but I had a brother that was like seven years younger than me. And when he kind of got into school, she decided she was going to go back to work. And, you know, that was, she had been a stay-at-home mom for all of that time. And she was like, I'm going to go back. She went and got a real estate license. She became a real estate agent. She was super successful at doing it. And that was probably my first role model in terms of, you know, and talk about reinvention. It was another kind of example of reinvention. And I thought this was, you know, really super interesting. So that was probably my first one. My second role model, actually, my second role model was, was not a woman. It was a guy. Um, and he was, I think a lot of times we don't realize how great our bosses are until later. And we look right. back and I realize now what a great boss he was. Um, and I wanted, I talked to him about business school and he was like, you know, that is a great opportunity for you to kind of, cause I wanted to do marketing. And he said, you could spend the next five years here. And, you know, he said, I would love for you to stay here. I would really love for you to stay here because you're great at what you're doing. But really, if this is what you want to do, this is a better, faster way to do it. And, you know, you should look at business school. And so that was great. I don't know if I ever would have if I hadn't right. heard it from them. So nice. Um, so that was great. And then the the third one I would point out is one that, again, these were all before Save the Children, where I had many, many role models. And I will mention one at Save. But the, the first um, job out of Darden, there was a woman who was a couple levels above me, and she really taught me about boundaries and setting boundaries. And she had kids and she wanted to, she was very good at separating the boundaries between work and home. And this is family time. This is when I'm going to work. And she was really good at that. And I learned a lot about that. And then I would say the final one was um, my board chair at Save the Children, who was the ex, uh, the, the former CEO of Xerox, Anne Mulcahy, was an amazing woman who really helped and was a huge mentor to me in terms of how to get through really challenging, difficult situations when I was the CEO there. So Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so important for us to take time to be role models for others and to look for those role models in our lives too. Those are some great examples. There's a, a great question in here from Courtney who says, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Since you graduated from the program, how have you seen Darden evolve? And the second part of the question is what, what traditions are core to Darden and will always stay the same? Yeah. So, so I have a great story about that second part of the question. So there is a fantastic tradition at Darden called um, First Coffee, which is when people gather to have coffee, free coffee. Um, faculty come, staff come, students come, and it's just a time to like gather for 10 or 15 minutes be between classes and um, particularly great for first years because they really get to see other people that are not in their section and they get to have free coffee. 
But we are reinventing that tradition because we have been using paper cups at First Coffee. And as the person who is driving the sustainability strategy at Darden, I'm like, we are not going to use paper cups anymore. And so now we all have our, sorry, we all have our reusable cups. I was going to get my cup and show you. So we all have our reusable cups at Darden and we now take our sustainable cups to First Coffee. So that is a good example of a great tradition, but one to like bring up to present day. Right. What a great example. Yeah. So that's a a really good example. So what are some of your favorite things about Charlottesville? Oh, Charlottesville is a fantastic town. And that is something that's really changed, I would say, since the time I was here. Um, Based on that that last question, it has become, I think, so much more of a community. So My favorite thing about Charlottesville, I guess there are two, oh gosh, there's so many, but one that I will talk about is there's a pedestrian mall downtown in downtown Charlottesville, and it is full of live music opportunities, great restaurants, you know, bars, coffee shops. It's just a great, great space. And if you go down to the mall on Actually, most any evening, especially if the weather's nice, but definitely on the weekends, you will see both. You'll see students there. You'll see members of the community. You'll see faculty. So it's just a really nice space to gather. And the amount of live music that we have, options that we have, I mean, there's like four on the downtown mall. There's like four different venues where you can go almost any night and hear live music. So there's a great music scene. Um, so that's just one of many, many, many things I could talk about with Charlottesville. Yeah, that's my favorite area of Charlottesville as well. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, last question, and then we'll close down the webinar. Um, what are you most excited about regarding you know, initiatives or as you think about Darden in the coming years, what are you most excited about? You know, I think what I'm most excited about is, first of all, I do think we're making real progress on the diversity at Darden and not just women, but also people of color. I, I think that's super important. And I do see the the wheels really, the flywheel is really in motion there. And it, that that really excites me a lot. I also think you, you touched on the Darden Worldwide courses. Yeah. And I think the ability, COVID has obviously restricted us a little bit in our ability to do global work and to give students global experiences. The Darden Worldwide courses are great. They're kind of 10 days to a week immersed in another um, culture and doing a particular focus on some aspect of business, they are great. I think in the future years, we're going to be able to do even more on the global side. So I am looking forward to that too, as a globalist. Yeah. I would love to see that. And you went to Costa Rica last year. Can you tell everybody just a a little bit about that class? And I know you're transitioning and going to Vietnam, a place that you have a lot of expertise this spring. Yeah, so um, so I took 31 students to Costa Rica last March. Um, we were studying sustainability, which if anybody knows much about that topic, Costa Rica is always kind of at the top in terms of countries making progress for sustainability. So we met with government, we met with businesses, we looked at kind of the ecotourism industry in Costa Rica. We had some fun for sure. 
Um, we did zip lining. We did a couple of other things that were, you know, really fun. And Costa Rica is one of only a few countries whose electricity is all powered by alternatives. So renewables. So um, it was a great op opportunity to do that. And um, we went in March when it was kind of cold and rainy here and it was beautiful in Costa Rica. So and then Vietnam will be this this next year. And we're going to look at both of sustainability again and in a lower middle income country and how difficult that is. And then also kind of direct investment and how that how that's shaping up in a country like Vietnam. So. Great. Oh, what wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. Uh, I always enjoy these webinars with you and I know our participants do as well. You're always a big hit. Have a good evening, everybody. Thanks, Bye. Bye-bye. And that was the audio recording from a recent Women at Darden Office Hours conversation featuring Professor of Practice, Carolyn Miles, and Senior Assistant Dean of Admissions, Donna Clark. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.